Hello and welcome to the Dance Teachers Tribe podcast. My name's Hayley, studio owner and founder of the Dance Teachers Tribe. Hello Tribe, how are we all doing? Have a fabulous Monday morning. I hope you're all bright and early, ready for our Q&A with the lovely Anne Walker. For those of you who don't know Anne, she's a multi-award winning entrepreneur who's um, started several dance businesses and is now a coach and an author. And she's here to tell us all about how she's been such a success. Anne, would you like to start off by telling us a little bit about where you came from and how you started? Well, hello. Yes, I'd love to. Thank you so much, first of all, for inviting me. I've been really looking forward to joining yourself and the tribe. So it's wonderful to be invited. Thank you. So I started many moons ago. I actually started my first dance school when I was only 17 years old, which was pretty scary. But I needed to start it in order to fund my dance, my professional dance training. Uh, It was pre-grants days it's um so there was no option so it seemed like the best thing to do so I started a dance school when I really wasn't that much older than some of my students I started in a church hall but quite soon realized that in order to actually make the business into um a successful enterprise I needed to have my own premises so managed to get a a building that I converted into a, a small dance studio and And that was just brilliant, really. It made all the difference. And such a change from being in different church halls and carting everything around from studio to studio. I have no idea how teachers managed to do that for so many years. So I take my hat off to people. So I had this fledgling dance school. I soon realized that I'm a bit of a control freak, as are so many dance teachers. So I soon realized that I couldn't bear to see the children come in all sorts of not very well-fitting leotards and tatty ballet shoes and stuff. So I wanted to sell them the products. Uh, I had a uniform right from the very beginning. I felt, because I was so young, I felt it was really important when I started that I had to do things the right way. I had to get the respect of the parents. So right from the beginning, we had rules. We had rules about payment. We had rules about uniform. And people needed to do things my way, really, from the very beginning. And so I soon started to sell leotards and shoes and stuff. But um, this is a very long time ago. I am so old that I predate Lycra. Um, so the leotards were not nice. They were baggy. They didn't <laughs> fit well. And so I, I was making costumes for my dance school shows because that's what you had to do in those days. I thought, you know, I'm sure I could make some leotards that fitted the students. So a friend who made costumes for me, she and I basically drew round her daughter uh, we made a, a newspaper pattern and for a leotard, we cut it out and we made it. And of course, they fitted the students really well because they were designed on real bodies rather than just rather random children, um, if you like. They were designed for dance children, for children who danced. So we made leotards and actually then my school show would, of course, have be costumed by with 
these leotards. My friends were all dance teachers. They would come to my shows and go, oh, my goodness, I love your leotards. Where did you get them? And I'd say, well, we made them. So, of course, then they'd say, well, could you make me some? The answer, of course, was always yes. And so I started to make leotards for my friends and then realized, actually, that I'd got this fledgling manufacturing business, which we oh. were making these leotards in my friend's attic bedroom, literally on a domestic sewing machine and just, you know, winging it really we have neither of us had any background um in how to make patterns how to design garments and especially um not stretch ones because of course they were stretch garments right from the beginning and quite soon after i started actually lycra did come onto the market and so suddenly we were able to make these wonderful um lycra garments in fabulous bright colors so it, it was it was brilliant. And I soon realized that actually it was the dancewear that was going to make more money than I was ever going to make teaching, teaching dancing. And so I started to build on the dancewear. And uh, the very first thing that happened was my mother lent me 50 pounds, which back in the day was a very large yeah. sum of money. <laughs> Um, and I bought a very, very ancient industrial overlocker on which we were able to finally sew the leotards rather than just using domestic machines. So the £50 um, really was the beginning of the business that was then called Harlequin Dancewear, but it became the company that is still called International Dance Supplies. Wow. And so, and everybody's sort of probably heard of International Dance Supplies. I mean, I've ordered costumes myself, most of my dance friends do. It's just a, a, dance, a exactly. name of a dance, dance player that everybody knows. Yeah, and of course, it, you know, uh, we're going back now over 40 years. IDS, I think, is in its 42nd year now. So it's only been really successful because of the support of dance teachers. You're probably second generation dance teacher. Your teacher probably bought from us and now you buy from us. And so yeah. it's it's been the support of teachers for so many years that, that actually created the great business. That, that is IDS. So I so I lay, named all my garments after my students, and the, the, my school played a huge part in the in the formation of of the dancewear business. But after uh, a few years, I actually married. I I started my school in Liverpool. I married a man eventually from who lived in Devon in the southwest of England, and so I gave my school to my assistant who ran it for, for many years. Well, the school is still in existence, actually, in Liverpool. I moved down to Devon and started another small school and set up um, a, a, in a small industrial unit my, my manufacturing plant with just me and a couple of other people. But gradually it grew. And one of the real reasons for it growing is that I do have a mantra which is you can't grow bigger than your dreams and mm. so although when I first started manufacturing it was me and a friend or me and one other team member I always knew that it would be a much much larger enterprise and my my goals changed as the business changed but they, they just grew and grew. You're, you're definitely yeah. right though I think and so many people get stuck in the mindset of oh, it's never going to be any better than this. I'm never going to have the money for this. You know, this is 
all it's ever going to be. And actually, it's the people that have those bigger dreams and goals and really genuinely believe mm. they can do them that, that make it. And you're sort of living proof of that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And also, I think it's really important that your whole team understand your goals. I can honestly say at IDS, everybody knew that we were focused on, on growth, international growth, right from the beginning. The whole team knew and understood where we were actually aiming for. And so, although I started off in Devon with a very small industrial unit, eventually we ended up with a fantastic building which we built ourselves. So it was completely built for us. And that just enabled us then to, to grow and grow and grow and to expand. But all the time, I had to keep making sure that I'd got more goals. So for many years, one of my goals was that I wanted to supply uniform for the Royal Ballet School. And eventually we did. We made all the uniform for the J. Junior Associates, the Middle and Senior Associates for the Royal Ballet School. And so having ticked that box, then I was like, okay, now we need another goal. What can we do now? And so my next goal was actually to supply into the American market, which, of course, was uh, I don't think anybody really believed that we were going to be able to make that happen, except for me. And I knew we would. So we launched into the Amer- we researched it for many years and then we launched into the American market. And within 12 months of launching in America, we were invited to manufacture the uniform for American Ballet Theatre training programme. So that was just wow. a huge accolade. And we did that for actually quite a few years. So that was fantastic. And of course, went on to supply right across America and indeed globally. We actually supplied into more than 50 countries worldwide, all from supplying everything from from Devon in the UK, which was a massive achievement, really. But we could only do it with the support of of those teachers. And I had an absolutely brilliant team at IDS. Many of the team members were there for many years. In fact, there are still two ladies working at IDS who have been there for over 25 years, which is a start. And and lots and lots of people still there who've been there for 10, 15 years, and probably even 20 years now, I suspect. So it it was a, a fantastic business. However, I always knew that I, I'd taken it. I knew I would take it as far as I possibly could, but I always knew IDS was going to be bigger than wherever I could take it. And so eventually we brought in some fabulous people and I was able to, first of all, take a step back and then eventually move completely out of the business, which I think my friends never believed I would be able to do because they yeah. knew I'm, I'm a control freak. Um, <laughs> but actually, wonderful, because I feel I set it up and then was able to go, OK, it's here now for somebody else to take on. And of course, it is still um, growing yes. and expanding. Yeah. I've now had time to enjoy, well, enjoy a slower pace of life, to enjoy the lovely countryside in which I am lucky enough to live, but also now to work with the dance teachers to help them grow and develop their businesses. And so I do business mentoring, one-to-one mentoring. I do business seminars and webinars, obviously via Zoom during this crazy time. I've written two books, um, which I hope will help teachers. And I also founded some years ago Dance School of the Year Awards which is specifically 
to encourage teachers to realise just how much they achieve because most teachers, they're so focused on the day-to-day, working in the studio, creating their lessons and over the last few months, of course, doing it all via Zoom, that they never take time to stop and realise just how much they realise what they've achieved, how much they mean to the local community, to their students. I mean, a dance teacher plays such a big part in the lives of the students. They come to you when you're three, when they're three, and they might stay with you till they're 23. Um, I definitely and think lockdown as well has proven to a lot of dance teachers how important we are to our dance communities because they've kind of had, you know, their face-to-face classes taken away from them. And, and now, you know, we're sort of getting back and they're able to, you know, they're desperate for it and it makes us feel really wanted and, you know, you can see yeah, the joy in the yeah. kids and all the parents, you know, the lovely comments I'm sure dance teachers worldwide have had from, you know, us Absolutely. carrying on going, you know, it's brilliant. Yeah, and, you know, for many students and young people, the dance teacher's the only stable thing in their life that they know every Tuesday at five o'clock when they walk into your studio, you're going to say, where's your tap shoes? Go back and put them on. Or, you know, (laughs) you can't come in looking like that. Go and tidy, put your hair in a bun because it's a ballet class or whatever it is. You're like the strong, disciplined, regular part of their life, which is missing for so many children. So I think that's a huge part which dance teachers are not aware of themselves so by making them enter encouraging them to enter and then making them fill in a form for the dance school of the year awards they've got to stop and think about what they've achieved in the last year or or years and so it's a great i think that's a great opportunity for teachers to really celebrate their success and their and what a genius idea from you because every other industry has awards you know why should we not Absolutely. And there was nothing, when I started it, there was absolutely nothing at all. So this year is going to be, we have a bumper crop of awards. There's 21 awards. Um, and of all, there's all different sorts. So it's an absolutely free to enter competition. You can, it doesn't matter what you teach, as long as it's some form of dance, you can enter and you can enter from all over the world. We have entries from Australia, New Zealand obviously America, Canada, as well as all across Europe and the UK. So uh, the entries are all done online. There is an awards ceremony which should be taking place in October. Whether it takes place physically or not, uh, I'm not quite sure, but we're hoping it will. Maybe by October we've got everything crossed. (laughs) So I would really advise anybody to just go and have a look at it. So many people say to me, just by filling in the entry form and submitting the evidence, it made me, it just gave me such a boost because it made me realize what I achieved. But it doesn't, they say it doesn't matter about the outcome. Filling in the entry form has actually given a lot. But we celebrate anybody, we have shortlisted schools um, and we celebrate all the shortlisted people and then obviously we celebrate all the winners. So there's a website, Dance School of the Year dot com where they can everybody can just have a look at that and and see there's also a facebook page where with lots of information on so please wherever you are in the world wherever you teach whatever you teach whether you've got a teeny tiny school or 
uh, hum, hundreds and hundreds of students, please think about entering Dance School of the Year. For I think that's what I liked as well when I was sort of looking at the website as well is, it, you know, you're not just honouring, you know, the big schools. You know, there's a category for every side of school. And actually, sometimes just because you've got hundreds of pupils does not mean you're making lots of money, you know. It exactly, does not mean exactly. you've got thousands no. of students that you're making lots of money. Sometimes small schools can be really good businesses. And actually, I want to challenge everybody in our tribe to, to enter. There's nobody in the tribe that should not be entering Dance School of the Year because Perfect. they're all taking action Perfect. by being as part of the tribe and watching this. Yeah. Better than Dance yeah. School. So, yeah, they should 100% challenge you all. <laughs> and, and, I mean, if you... There's lots of information on the website. Look at the whole thing of the website, not just one or two pages. But anybody can message me if you want more information, then look at the website. If you're still confused, then send me um, a quick message and I will do my best to help you and support you. Entries are now open. On the website, it says they're opening on the 1st of August. But I've actually just opened them this morning. Literally, I've done a live um, on Facebook to explain about opening because I think some teachers now have, have finished their term, so they've got a little bit of time before they perhaps reopen. So I thought, actually, let's open uh, early. So the entries are open now. They close on the 30th of August. So, yeah, go for it. Wow. <laughs> now, we've been very lucky because we've had lots of our lovely members emailing questions for you. Um, they're very keen to find out everything about you which is lovely so if you're happy and I'm going to start with the questions is that all right please do so yes the first one we've got here is what do you feel was the turning point that got your first dance school from sort of scraping by to making a profit well I think actually two things really the first one was actually selling starting to sell the dancewear because when I was in church halls there's a limited amount of time. You can't do extra classes often because you're you're limited by the the venue and when you can actually have the have the room. So selling the dancewear meant that I had another stream income stream immediately, and most significantly was getting my own premises. As I said at the beginning, I have no idea how people survive from going from one studio to another. I didn't really believe it would work. I had my, my studios were very spread out geographically over quite a wide area. And I really wasn't sure what would happen when I moved to the studio. But I got my first studio and actually everybody came. And then eventually, after a few years, I moved from that studio into another area with a better studio. And I don't think I lost any students when I made the move. Wow. If your school is a good, sound business and everybody knows what you're offering and everybody knows all there is to know about how you're running your business and you're doing it in a professional way, then I believe people will follow you. It's a massive, massive risk to take on a building because you go from paying for a few hours on a Tuesday and a few hours on a Wednesday and whatever to suddenly having the the financial responsibility 365 days of the year but it doesn't half focus the mind it absolutely focuses the mind yeah you've obviously got your own premises hey 
Yeah, well, we sublet. It's um, this building is actually an old uh, derelict school, and we sublet a couple of rooms. There's lots of youth groups here, but the, yes, we're, this is ours. So we're in here, and nobody else comes in this studio. We've been very lucky, but it's really interesting yeah. that you mention about people following you if they know you well, and and actually, lots of the tribe members will know because I always bang on about it. But you might not know about two years ago and this is why I started the dance shop I almost lost everything I turned up to my old premises and the locks were changed we had a forfeiture notice and and it was at that point I thought this isn't a game anymore I've let everybody get Mm. away with not paying me Mm. on time I've gone oh yes of course you can have a discount of course you can come to this for free because you just want to give (laughs) as dance teachers we love we want to give and you know that really Mm. shocked me but I'm so lucky because almost all of my students that went through that with me are still with me now and I think that's because they just we're like a big family and it's really you know I think you're right everybody sort of buys in and trusts you and um, they do. What is it they and, say? No, I can trust. I've got to stop you on one thing. I've got to contradict you on one thing because twice now you've said I'm so lucky. I'd just like to say it's not about luck. It's about right. getting everything right. You know, it's when people say have said to me over the years, "Oh, you're so lucky. You've got this great business." You, I'm like, do you know what? Isn't it funny? But the harder I work, the luckier I seem to get because. <laughs> It's yes. just, it's not about luck. You make your own luck. It's, you've achieved Definitely. what you've achieved because you've made it happen. I absolutely believe that. So don't, don't use that phrase. I'm blessed. Um, <laughs> blessed my heart. You know, you've worked, <laughs> you've worked very, very hard. That's why. I um, have. And, and, so, you know, and it's true. Cool. You've made it feel like a family. You've made it the place to be. You, your USP perhaps makes sure that people actually come to your business. And so if you do move, then they will, people will follow you. If you are the, doing the right thing in the right way, then people will actually stick with you. Absolutely convinced of it. So well done you. I mean, that must have been horrendous. And actually, I think it's an interesting thing. I think the lockdown has had a similar effect. Lots of people who suddenly couldn't use a, ch- a church hall, who still can't use a church hall, even though the government has said, certainly in England, we can go back to dancing now. For lots of people, they can't go back because their hall or their venue, whatever it is, is not allowing them to. And I do think, Mm -hmm. I've seen quite a few teachers opening their own premises for September. And I just think that's brilliant because it's such a scary time. But actually, I think people have realised in order to make a good sound business, you've got to just be responsible to yourself and um, you can't do that when you're in a rented premises. No, so. it makes it really hard. You know, you've only got so many options of how you can grow, haven't you? It really stunts growth. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. the next one, next question on our list was what caused the huge growth of IDS? Well, of course, it it didn't happen overnight. That's for sure. It took a very long time. It is, as I say, IDS is in its 42nd year now. But I think really the main thing that has caused it to grow is simply that we had the goals we had very a very strong vision we had small goals we had medium term and we had long-term goals and all the team were on board everybody knew that those were our goals and it was just sheer dedication determination the fact that we did build this incredibly expensive building again was 
was something that just like, you know, you've got to make it work. And we were employing all these people whose livelihoods were dependent on a sound business. And I think this applies in any businesses. It's particular, and you touched on it, Haley, a little bit, that dance, the dance industry generally wants to do things for love, for free, to help everybody. But, you know, you can't do that until you've got a sound business footing. You've got to make the business sound and secure, and then you can do the other things. And so I think teachers who are like, oh, yes, you can have your classes for half price or free or whatever, they're making a big mistake because you can do that once you've got it sound. But if you do that from the beginning, then it's going to be a wobbly sort of business, really. And then you can never really give back as much as you can whereas I'm able to do all sorts of things now not least dance school of the year which uh, technically I put humongous amounts of hours into and we have some sponsorship but it does nobody has to pay to enter it because I was determined that it would be very uh, a level playing field for everybody and that's only because I've been able to to build sound businesses that I've been able to do that and to give back And I think you're definitely right. You know, when you're giving freebies away, people don't value something if they've got it for free. They don't see the value because they just think, well, I've got it for free. You know, we went into Tesco's and they gave us off shop for free. We wouldn't value it, you know. And (laughs) it's really important that we value what we do so that everybody else does as well. You're right. So the the next one is what were your thoughts when you'd heard that you were to be honoured with your MBE? Um, Well, first of all, disbelief. I can honestly say when I got the letter, I thought it was an April Fool's joke. I genuinely (laughs) did not think for one minute. I thought it was some kind of a scam. Although I have to say that it was on on a letter and the the note paper did seem really rather good quality. But um, so then I was overcome really because... I thought, well, why? You know, why me? And interestingly, my award was for um, services to business um, rather than dance or whatever. So I I really was extremely proud of that. And I think the real reason was, as a business, IDS, we were always very open. We always wanted to help other businesses because we, you know, I had built my business from absolutely nothing and I had no I didn't go to business school you know I left school at 16 and went straight to dance college and so I didn't have any formal business background or training so I'd learned the hard way and I wanted to help other people to not make the same mistakes in business that I'd made so we worked a lot with many businesses across the UK and try to share our knowledge and our experience and expertise with them to help them grow their businesses. And so I think I'm, I, I'm assuming, cause you never really know why you are given an honor. Um, but I'm assuming that's why. And so that was brilliant because it was very much um, an honor for the whole team. Although obviously, yeah. amazing accolade, you know, how Thrill. amazing, incredible. Yeah, bless you. And what do you feel sort of were the setbacks that you've overcome along your journey? Do you know, it's really hard to think of them. I'm very, very good at forgetting um, all the all the terrible things and just remembering the good times. But I mean, there have been many setbacks. Oh, gosh, all sorts of financial ones where people didn't pay or whatever. But 
but we had always got a plan B ready. So I think that has always helped. Uh, lots of setbacks where people, where other people just don't believe in you, whether that's inside or outside of the business, where people think, especially being a woman in business, I hope it's a bit better now, but it certainly was really quite difficult in the 80s and 90s. We also grew through a number of recessions. So that was massive challenges. But the setbacks, um, we also had um, an issue with uh, the building. We outgrew our building in Dawlish, the first industrial unit that I had. We outgrew really quite quickly and we struggled to find any industrial premises. Eventually the council allowed us to build somewhere and then we outgrew that. And I had all sorts of interesting things where the council were were saying there there was no other premises. And I was just like, do you know what? I'm going to simply move my business somewhere else if you don't find me something. And they were absolutely brilliant. Once I sort of laid down, you know, I literally went into the council office and said, right, I need to talk to the council, to the planning officer now. He was very kind of laid back. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to take my business back to Liverpool if you don't do something. And immediately they found something. And we built um, a huge extension to our building. We had to actually change a road layout which everybody said you couldn't do you know you needed about six months to do that I did it in two days and I had to buy a piece of land from an American-owned company in order to do it but we overcame it just because we were determined to make it happen but yeah I think that's a struggle that a lot yeah I think it's a struggle that a lot of dance teachers have because I know personally we've outgrown where we are now and um, lots of the industrial estates, they won't change the use for a dance studio because they don't want to have children on industrial sites. And there's not a lot of other premises that would be big enough or appropriate for a dance studio. And so I think a lot of dance teachers do struggle actually with down. But, you know, as you've proven yet again, you know, determination sees you through. Oh, exactly. And and also actually going and talking to them. Lots of people say, oh, you know, the planners haven't been helpful. But actually, have you been and had a face to face? Have you got them to come and look at what you do? Because, of course, so many people just don't understand what dance teachers really do. They don't understand the concept that they're so much more than just just teaching ballet or tap or whatever. There's always a way. There's always a solution. Oh, gosh, I'm really sorry. That's <laughs> all right. <laughs> what motivates you the most, do you find? What sort of thing that keeps you going, keeps that fire burning? My goals. The yeah. goals. Um, and also, I just I don't do failure. I simply cannot do failure. I'm way too proud to ever admit to getting something wrong. So it's my goals. It's, my, it's knowing what the goals are and, and keep on moving them. So there's always something else to achieve. Once you've achieved that, it's like, okay, right, next. So honestly, my goals are the answer to everything, I'm afraid. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what? I think, though, our dance background probably brings that out in us because, you know, when we do dance, we do these grades and we're always looking forward to achieving something else. There's a show coming up or an exam or... So I think it does set that, you know always keep striving yeah. for something else I think it is exactly There's always, there is always something so yeah and how have you kept your positive mind um well I think the positive mindset is mostly 
is mostly because I totally believe that things happen for a reason, so that when there is a disaster, I'm a huge believer in the fact that actually it's happened for a reason, that we need to learn something from it and just move on, that things happen for a reason. And so the, I, I always believe that you can turn a negative round and make a positive out of it. You can learn from disasters and they can become something positive. And what one piece of advice would you give someone setting up their own dance school or dance business? Well, um, I absolutely, my advice, and it's in my book about setting up your, your business, and that is do it right, right from the start. Don't just open thinking, oh, well, it's just a few classes. It doesn't matter whether you're doing one class or 101 classes. Plan to do everything properly. Set it up as though it was a much bigger business. Always think ahead where you, to where you're going to end up rather than where you start. Because it's really hard if you start off in a very amateur sort of way. It's really, really hard to then turn um, it into something professional and business-like. So it's much better if you can actually start your business doing everything right, right from the start. And the second thing, I know you said one thing, but can I just say the second thing is if I can just do a little plug. Of course. (laughs) um, I've actually written a book. It's a tiny little little book, but it's hopefully there just to give you some ideas, the sort of things that I believe you should be thinking about right at the beginning of starting your dance business. I think it'll be brilliant. It's great. Both of your books are a great read. And I just think sometimes we have, we we know what we need, but having it down on paper and somebody else say it really helps, helps you, I think. And, uh, you know, both the books, basically the books are all common sense. Um, So the first one I wrote was actually growing your dance business. And then so many people said, but I need a, you know, I need to know how to actually set it up. So the two of them, they are both books that you can dip into. And I'd like to think, I sort of think that if people are struggling with their business and they think, oh, I'm not sure what I should be doing here. I want them to go, what would Anne say? Or what would Anne do? And they can pick up the book and go, oh, well, Anne suggested that I do this. So (laughs) it's, they're books to, to dip in and out of and to just keep by you. Keep no, I think they're brilliant. What a, a wonderful idea to sort of share with yeah. the dance, yeah. dance world. What systems yeah. and processes do you feel are vital in dance business success? Well, you know, I think it, I don't think it matters what you use, whether you use your own basic system, whether you use something that your accountant wants you to use, I think, or whether you're going to buy into something like uh, dancers or class manager or, or one of those systems. I don't think it matters. What does matter is that you're using a system, that you're mm. doing something that's effective, that's, that's obviously safe to use, that's GDPR compliant, that works for all aspects of your business. So I think that it's just literally down to whatever you think works for your business. But again, I will repeat, and I apologise. No, I don't. I make no apology for <laughs> don't repeating. <laughs> I think it's really important. Do the right thing now for the business that you're going to become. Don't... Don't be fluffing around with um, bits of paper. Make it business-like and professional from the start. You are running a business. It 
you might talk about your dance school, but you are actually running a business and you're a professional running a business. So use a system that works for the whole business for the future. It's very hard to change. Um, so again, yes. right, right from the start. I love that motto. Um, and is there any point, um, oh, sorry, is there a point in business when it's advisable to become a limited company? And what are the pros and cons of staying a sole trader? Um, but, do you know, this is, I mean, it's a really good question, but it's, it's such a big question. It's, um, mm. it's a conversation you need to have with your accountant, really. It's not something I can answer because what works for one person isn't going to work for another. And it depends on all sorts of things, your turnover, your probably things like your family situation. I would say one of the key people that you can have in a business is your accountant. If the accountant is somebody that you see once a year that you simply shove a load of invoices at, and never talk to them um, the rest of the time. That's a big mistake. You absolutely need to have an accountant who is part of the business, who understands what you do and what your goals are and is able to help you achieve those goals. An accountant, I, I always say an accountant should cost you nothing because a good accountant will save you at least the amount of money that their fee is. So it's absolutely worth finding somebody that you can work with that is able to take you to the next level that you want your business to become. And they're the person who will be able to tell you whether you should be a limited company, a sole trader, a partnership. And also, at what point you should register for VAT or other taxes. So yes. make your accountant your best friend in the business. Definitely. I've recently changed accountant, actually, to somebody who's much more um, invested in my business. You know, I had a lovely accountant Perfect. who did a brilliant job before, but they were very much of his, they'll get my tax return done and that's it. You know, whereas the, mm. the person that I've mm. just, you know, got on is just brilliant, really invested in what I do and the growth and all of that. So that's the sort Fabulous. of person you need, I think. Absolutely. And it's very, very scary changing accountants. So... Don't keep putting it off. Take, you know, bite the bullet and make it happen because they will give you, bring so much to the business and they will give you so much support because let's face it, most dance teachers are not accountants. We don't have a financial background. We went to dance college, not business school. So you've got to have that support. So find yourself a good accountant. Ask other people in business, not other dance teachers. Ask other people who have businesses that are bigger than yours because you need an accountant who can not just work with you now, but you need an accountant who can take you to the next level. Definitely. And I think you're right as well. Don't ask other dance teachers because every dance school situation is different. So what, what works for one and what is right for one is not necessarily right for another. So you're definitely Absolutely. right. Absolutely. So the next one is if you could start again, is there anything along your journey you would change? Nothing. I thought you'd say that. <laughs> and I love that you've said that. I love it. <laughs> um, because, yeah, I, I couldn't, I've no idea what I changed. And I've learned so much from the disasters. I've learned so much from the wonderful people that I've employed. Um, I've learned so much um, from the teachers. I mean, the dance teachers that IDS has supplied over many years are the people who've, who've helped to develop the business. Because when somebody said, do you know where I can buy a, a whatever, you know, a, 
a mermaid outfit, then we've created one and we've sold it. So the teachers have helped. So even when there have been disasters, I've learned so much. No, I wouldn't change anything. Yes. So what achievement are you most proud of is our last question. Do you know, I'm I'm proud of so much, actually. It's it's hard this to say one thing. I'm proud of so much. I was very proud of my school to start something age just 17. And when I left my school, I had three uh, 250 students, or maybe 300. I, you know, I can't remember now. Um, and it was, it was a great business. I had some fabulous students. And then, of course, um, IDS. But I think if I have to choose one thing that I'm most proud of, it's the fact that I've been able to leave the businesses because I think it's brilliant to have something that's strong and stable enough for the owner, the, for the founder, if you like, to move out of and the business can still grow and continue. So I think I'm really proud of that, my, my legacy, if you like, of the businesses. Yeah. And what a legacy you've left everybody. And I thank you so much because you've given us so much value today, some really interesting points. And I'm sure everybody will have really enjoyed listening to how you started and, and all your opinions. And, and thank you so much for answering our questions because it's, it's people like you that inspire the smaller dance business owners to, to strive for more. So we're really Oh, well, just remember, you can't grow bigger than your dreams. And I'd, I would just love to finish um, on yeah. two things. I look forward to reading your, your stories now when everybody sends in their entries for Dance School of the Year. So I'll see your stories. But the other thing is, this is a, my lovely, lovely quote. It's in the back of the books. Incidentally, the books are available on Amazon. They're also, if you get them on my website, then um, there's a special offer. You can buy both of them um, on a on a special deal so uh that they're on amwalker.com so but the one quote i'd like to leave you with which is in the back of the book both books and i use it at the back at the end of my seminars and i quote it with the permission of anthony drew who wrote the lyrics for mary poppins because it's from mary poppins and it's this if you reach for the stars all you get are the stars but we found a whole new spin. If you reach for the heavens, you get the stars thrown in. So I implore dance teachers everywhere to just go out, reach for the heavens and build, build your empire because you can do it. If I can, anybody can. Oh, that's so lovely. Thank you so much, Anne. You've been fantastic. And I'm sure oh, everybody you, really enjoyed this. Thank you Thank so much. You. Thank you. Bye for now.